0: I'm Victory 91.5, it's Coffee with Corey, Corey Haynes, Ray Haynes. We are talking about the Fall Feast this morning.
1: Come on. Literally, we're talking about the Feast. <laughs> the Feast. You know, you were just asking, too. We just, after we went off, we kind of ended by talking about that word sukkah or sukkot. Uh, a lot of the Hebrew words, I don't speak Hebrew, and it's a very complicated language. And so, there's a lot to learn there. And for those of you who missed the concept here, Feast of Tabernacles. A tabernacle, the word in Hebrew, is sukkah or sukkot. Now, there's a bunch of different forms of this word, but here's what's interesting. What we're discovering is, or what we do, at least I do, is how do we encounter Jesus in each one of the feasts, all right? So sukkot, sukkot, suka. however you want to look at that word, it's a samech. All right? And then you have the, uh, the K letter, which is the uh, calf, And then you have the T, which is the TAF. Now here's what's interesting about this word. How much of Jesus is in this word? Well, I told you in Pesach, Passover, the, in the middle letter there is that same Semek, which is the X, which is the the blessing and putting sin onto something. You turn it; it's a it's a cross. So that's Jesus. The T, the Tav, is literally a cross. That's Jesus too. The calf. Well, the calf they say is that letter Pei, uh, the word, the the breath of God. And you, mm. if you put a yod, another little letter, little dot at the top of that, you have the letter pay. So I think it's made of that. It's also the blessing of your hands. Uh, calf is a uh, hand, uh, the inside of your hand. Whatever you put in it, any of that stuff. So literally, the word Soka is Jesus, 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 or Yeshua, yeah. Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. So it's like, you know.
0: how do they miss this? How do they miss <laughs> Jesus?
1: <laughs> you gotta wonder. I in the
0: celebration.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the great thing is, uh, one day they won't. And uh, to some degree, we have to uh, continue just to share Jesus, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to to pray for them to have eyes wide open, and that they would indeed uh, grab these things because God has to reveal it. And, uh, you know, the thing is, the best thing of all isn't just that we have a belief, but that we have God, that we encounter God, and we want them to encounter him. So, in the end... It'll all be fine. So there's a great line in uh, one of um, Shakespeare's, uh, Rose, by any other name, still just a rose, so I call this one a sukkah. by any other name, it's just a sukkah. And the reason is, we stopped when we ended last, one. we were talking about these two towns, Jacob created a town when he, after he met Esau, and came back, wrestled with the angel, or wrestled with God, and the town was called Sukkot. <laughs> and then... When the Egyptians uh, free the Israelites. They travel for three days and they're in the desert and lo and behold there's a town called Sukkah. Again! And everywhere. And when God says, well let me just break it down. Historians guess that the, the Sukkah in Egypt was about three days journey into the desert. Not really sure where and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of opinions but very little is known about it. But my guess is that when Jacob was old and brought his family to join Joseph in Egypt, perhaps it's where they stopped and built, go figure, Sukkah for the family and herds before moving on to Egypt. Logical. Can't prove it, but this is my thought. Had the same Hebrew name of the, the town that he founded near Peniel where he wrestled with the, with God and where he stopped and built Sukkot. So it makes sense that he'd repeat the building and the naming and goodness knows there's something about this name that God's drawn our attention to. In fact, what did God say about how to encounter or what to do about this feast? He said, you shall dwell in Sukkot." For seven days, all native Israelites will dwell in them. Your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in sukkahs when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. So, not this whole 40-year journey, but right there when I came out. And the first town they came to was that sukkah. So, is God trying to say, I want you to dwell in these things, or is he trying to draw our attention to the Jacob a little more and the places that he built? So it seems possible that they weren't supposed to live in sukkahs to remember the entire wilderness journey, but specifically to remember the days directly after Passover when God caused them to retrace maybe the very steps he used to bring them to Egypt hundreds of years earlier when they were just Jacob and about 80 people, all the sons and wives and kids. And they were supposed to remember how God changed Jacob From a deceiver to a man with a limp, who was miraculously saved from the brother he deceived. His life really profoundly changed after the encounter. He had wrestling with the angel or God. He seemed to lose his scheming ways and develop giving ways. Enough so that he wanted his descendants not to forget that journey. So, when Jacob died, Joseph made a trip back to the cave of Machpelah, which is the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron. It holds the bodies of four couples. Adam and Eve are said to be buried in the cave. Of course, you'll find Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah, because Joseph buried them there. They're all buried in Hebron. And it's a big deal where you're buried. Even Joseph made his kids promise to bring his bones 460 miles from egypt to be buried in shechem where he'd been sold into slavery by his brothers it was a place his father jacob had dug a well where abram had met with god and where moses would speak blessing and curses over israel graves were a big deal so my thought as moses led the israelites out they carried joseph's bones and rested with them at sukkot And in the end, a sukkah isn't about this flimsy shack. Exodus 29 says, I will dwell, that is, tabernacle or sukkah, among the people of Israel and will be their God. Mm. See, look around you. We're all in sukkahs right now. This world is our sukkah. We need to make sure our affections for it are flimsy because we have a better sukkah waiting and we celebrate on the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what the celebration is about. They keep our mind fixed on the fact that there's more. Yes. You see, dwelling is the word tabernacle. It means God will spread his tabernacle over us so that we may dwell in safety and security under its cover and protection. In the simplest of terms, Jesus came to earth as a baby and lived with us, tabernacled, sukkahed. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his sukkah dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's all that word tabernacled. When Jesus rose from the grave, he had a glorified body that could still be touched and could eat. But it could also pass through walls and defy the basic law of physics. He stayed on earth in that body for 40 days and then ascended into heaven. Those 40 days are a picture of the great tribulation as well as the millennium. And when Jesus will first fight and then reign on the earth, it says in Revelation 21, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and they shall be his people, and God himself should be among them so let's take a chiastic look at passover unleavened bread that feast and tabernacles the week-long feast includes passover the first day followed by the seven-day feast of unleavened bread the next day so there's two significant days together at the beginning and three days later the feast of first fruits so the first and last day are sabbaths and this was the first exodus which occurred in egypt and the desert and there's lots of death Now this week on week long feast of tabernacles is opposite because there's two significant days in a row, but they're at the end, because it's viewed in a mirror, you see, it should be opposite. So it's also seven days, with the first and last day of Sabbath. The last day is the great day. You pack up, you go home, then you come back together at the temple on the eighth day for a celebration. This is the second Exodus which occurs in eternity, and death has been destroyed. So why all the celebration of tabernacles, but fasting and unleavened bread? Well, we're celebrating from a place of faith that comes from knowing Jesus, Yeshua. If he came the first time, well, we can be confident he's going to come the second time. If he promised and gave us the ring, the Holy Spirit, he will come and bring us to the Father and marry us. I mean, that is the hope. That is the confidence we can have in him.
0: God, we just pray for our listeners right now that they would experience this kind of refuge that you wanna provide for them. That this would be their morning to actually feel what it feels like to be enfolded in your presence, yes. in your arms, just like David or Jacob, he had to walk with a limp because of the way that he wrestled with you. And maybe we've been limping, but maybe we didn't know that there's healing in this place, that there's freedom in this place, that there's identity in this place. you can heal in so many different ways and that sometimes that healing is a process spiritually emotionally you want us to wrestle with our questions you want us to wrestle and find you find the answer to find Jesus Christ you are that well that never runs dry we can explore more into the depths of who you are the depths of your word the depths of your presence and We don't want to just become full where we are. We want to make sure that we're staying hungry. Maybe that's the question you're asking us this morning. Where is your hunger gone? Where is your thirst gone? How would you give us a new hunger, a new thirst for you? That every day we wouldn't be satisfied until we have more of you. But as we talk about the celebration, that we learn how to celebrate you and how to live celebrated because you're celebrating us. Your kingdom is all about just being with your family. We're talking about these feasts because you celebrate family. You provide for the family that you bought, that you purchased with your son. We pray for anybody that's never made the decision to enter into the family of God, the kingdom of God, that today would be their day, to experience your love for them. Experience your heart for them, God, that they would not go another day without finding you, without receiving what you have for them. That we would experience how you dwell with us here and how we can dwell with you now and forever.